tuning in to the 367th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane. As always, I want to thank you all for tuning in, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iRadio, SoundCloud, whichever podcasting app or platform you may be listening to me via being recorded from Buffalo, New York. As always, going to have Ben Karen on host of the Sports Quality Podcast to preview uh, this week of NFL action. I'm going to talk some NFL tidbits, get into college football, coaching rumors going around, also quarterbacks transferring, some other stuff to talk about with Ben as well. Kyrie Irving also looks like he's going to come back, so I'm going to get Ben's take on that because Ben loves Kyrie Irving so, so much. That's just a joke, folks. Just a joke, but we're going to get Ben's take on that. Now, before I give my shameless plug, I want to give a happy birthday uh, to my dad, uh, the other Daryl Lane. It was his 70th birthday, just went out, uh, got a chance to eat with him, my little brother John, and my grandma, who's 90, by the way. Shout out to grandma. Uh, so that was fun, just breaking bread, hanging out. So just want to give a special shout out to my dad. Now, shameless plug time. First time listener, thank you, but subscribe and follow right now. Also, Share this podcast with your friends and family, whether it be via Reddit threads, Facebook groups, etc., etc. Check on the description below, specifically on Spotify. It's timestamped. You can click right there, and we'll go to that part of the podcast that you want to listen to. It's for your convenience. Type in Daryl Lade, and you can subscribe to my YouTube channel. I post three to five minute clips of this podcast right here, as well as my syndicate show, Outside the Shop. Follow me on Twitter, at NightTrain underscore Lane. I'll say it again, at NightTrain underscore Lane. And lastly... If you have Apple or if you have iTunes, then give me five stars and a great review. And for some odd reason, right? If you don't like the pod, then worry not. Because you know what your mama told you. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. And kind of next, we're going to have Ben Karen, host of the Sports Father Podcast, to talk about everything NFL and college football. Kind of next, with the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have a father, a husband, a son, a Facebook group master, a doctor, a Texas A&M Aggie, a former resident of Vermont, a current resident of Arizona, Ben Karen, host of the Sports Weather Podcast. How you doing, Ben? I'm great tonight, Daryl. How are you? I'm doing absolutely fantastic. So first, Ben, I know you're going to love this question. So, it looks like now Kyrie Irving is going to come back to the Brooklyn Nets, the Brooklyn Nets as a part-time player. How do you feel about that decision? I feel terrible about it. Like, let's face it, Daryl, it's ridiculous. You can't be a part-time player in the NBA. 
it's just, um, in my opinion, it's incredibly disrespectful to every other guy in that locker room that's doing this full time. How do you think Kevin feels about all this? Uh, well, I think the first thing he probably feels is regret. You know, I don't think he'd come right out and say it, but he had a lot of opportunities, Daryl, to team up with a lot of different guys, potentially. Uh, you know, and um, right about now, I think he's probably regretting having left Golden State, if I'm going to be quite frank with you. Um and even if he had left Golden State, I still think that there are way better positions um, with other players that he could have been in instead of uh, being in this mess with Brooklyn and uh, having Kyrie, who's a pretty unstable guy, as a teammate right now. Kevin and the rest of Brooklyn, they're focused on trying to win a championship. And I just don't think you can have that level of success when you have part-time commitment from some of your players. Do you think Kyrie being a part-time player can actually work? Absolutely not. I think it's 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 ridiculous. I think it's just setting the team up for failure. Uh, at this point, Daryl, I would have traded Kyrie. I would have tried to get some kind of value back in return, even though I would understand I was probably going to take a, take a hit on, 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 on the trade deal. So why don't you think this can work? Well, it's for the reasons I just stated. Brooklyn, Daryl, is in a championship window right now. Correct. As we know, those windows don't tend to stay open for too long. Kevin Durant has already had a major injury. He's, you know, uh, he's recovered from it, but he's also getting older. James Harden, good player, hasn't had a lot of, um, you know, success at winning championships. Um... The rest of, you know, the team, fairly decent. Steve Nash, in my opinion, still kind of a rookie-type uh, head coach, even though, you know, this isn't his first season anymore. Um, I think you need a bunch of players that are locked in and players that are all moving in the right direction if you're, if you're going to bring this championship possibility to fruition. When you bring in a guy that can give you a part-time commitment, that's just not going to work for this. I mean, what's going to happen? Is he going to play part-time in the playoffs, too? Yes. Well, I have a question, though. If In a playoff series, though, doesn't having Kyrie, at least if it's only for away games, make them better, though? I don't think so. I mean, I think, I, I think in paper he would, but I think when you look at it uh, from the standpoint of being practical, I think the team needs needs a group of guys on the court every night that's consistent that's going to give them better chemistry. Uh, and that's fair, but I guess what I would say is, like, let's think about it this way. Kevin Durant's going to be good no matter who's there, right? Like, Kevin's going to be Kevin, correct? I would agree. All these other role players, I, I feel like their jobs don't change too much with Kyrie when we talk about chemistry, like, what they're all doing. I guess there's the Harden thing, but Harden, for the most part, hasn't been very good. And I think partly the reason that they're willing to bring back Kyrie is because Harden hasn't been the old Harden. I think it just reeks of desperation, Daryl. I mean, they have so so many other things that they could do. I, why would you not trade Kyrie, 
to get a starting level point guard that could help you, your team win right now, even if that point guard is not as good as Kyrie. I don't think Kevin Durant wants him gone. If Kevin Durant really wanted Kyrie gone, I don't even think he'd be coming back. Well, at some point he's going to have to choose between his friend and his legacy. And he needs to think really hard about that. I, but I guess sometimes the way these players think, we were just talking about this off the air in terms of mentality and why people think different ways, but like... Do you think Kevin believes... Maybe Kevin just believes we can win if Kyrie plays part-time. Is that possible that Kevin believes that? I mean, it might be crazy. We might not agree with that, but is that not possible that he thinks that? Because he obviously... We have to both assume that Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Brass asked Kevin Durant before this move went down. And he okayed it. I think right now he might have okayed it because he's desperate to get some help. You know, when people start getting overwhelmed or they're taking on too much, and we've seen Kevin play some heavy minutes lately, I think he's looking for anything, you know, that, that can keep him on the court, you know, and away from injury. Uh, so I think maybe that's his line of thinking. Bring Kyrie back, that takes some of the scoring responsibility off of me. I don't have to play maybe as many minutes, at least, you know, at least every other night. But I, I don't think this is a long-term I would still have traded Kyrie for a point guard, and I think that you know you could you could trade him and get somebody that was reasonably good in return. I would agree with that. I, I think also the issue too, though, is I do want to point this out. I don't think a lot of people want Kyrie around the league after what he's done. I think that's also an issue. But Ben, can we also say this? If they bring Kyrie back for the regular season. He makes life easier for Kevin Durant in these away games. Less minutes, less straight on his body. Doesn't that make it all worth it for the postseason if Kevin Durant's fresher? I see where they're going with it, and I see the strategy, and I think that I I think that's one of those moves, okay? In the short term, I think they could be successful. If that's their, their objective is just get to the playoffs, make the playoffs, and not wear Kevin Durant out completely, then yeah, I think that they can accomplish that with his plan. I happen to believe they have higher aspirations. They'll want to do certain things once they get to the playoffs, and I'm not so sure they're going to be able to accomplish those things. Do you think that maybe Kyrie coming back in the fold, that that could make him get vaccinated when he's around Kevin, when he's around Harden, he's around this atmosphere? Um, I think if he's not vaccinated by now, there's probably not much hope for him getting vaccinated. But but Ben, if he is to get vaccinated, it's a lot easier when he's around everybody else who is vaccinated as opposed to just sitting at his house going through conspiracy theories. I think Kyrie is a guy that's pretty solid once he's made his mind up. I'd be surprised if that changes anything for him. So next, what I want to get into you is... so. In the NFL, we're having a lot of games be postponed. I believe the Raiders game, they switched the Raiders game, I think. Uh, the Raiders, and I'm forgetting who the Raiders are playing this week. But they're starting to switch some games around. A lot of players haven't been happy about that because it's due to COVID uh, and all the rescheduling. And somebody, some people have uh, put it out there that maybe you shouldn't test for asymptomatic players anymore. 
uh, if players are vaccinated and they're asymptomatic, you should just let them play. If you, when you hear that, what do you think, Ben? Well, I think uh, first and foremost, Daryl, we got to follow the science. Um, we we need to you know tap into the the people that have the most expertise, and we have to follow in their lead. You know, um, obviously, uh, as a country, I would say we've been through a lot with the pandemic, and, and probably even as a world. Um, and we know that um, sports is one of those things that makes a lot of people happy, uh, gives some people um, good entertainment, it gives them something to look forward to, um, brings a lot of happiness to people. So we definitely want to find a way to keep sports around, um, and we want to do so without um, putting people in harm's way of, uh, of contracting the virus. Uh, so I, I think that they just really need to listen to the science uh, and, and follow suit with that and go with, in whatever direction they get advised to go in. Urban Meyer fired. Ben, it was a long time coming, wasn't it? Well, you know, if you ask me, Daryl, I think that it does not bode well for the Jaguars moving forward. Um, I think they pulled the trigger kind of quickly on Urban Meyer. Uh, that's not to say he didn't do some things for sure that helped make that process a whole lot faster, uh, and he acted as kind of a catalyst for it. But I guess we have to ask ourselves, what really was the expectation for Urban Meyer coming into uh, this this uh, Jacksonville Jaguars? Not to be controversial. Yeah. I mean, to me, I think, I think I believe that they fired him based on the fact that Trevor Lawrence uh, was not maybe progressing the way that they had hoped, and they're concerned about that. Um, I also think um, a, a loss against a division rival where they got shut out um, was another big factor. Um, and the rumors about kicking players in the head. Kicking players in the head? Oh, kicking players, excuse me, just kicking players. Okay, yeah. Um, as far as those things go, you know, it's hard to kind of sort out, okay, exactly what happened, what 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 really happened, what didn't happen. I mean, I think that we can all agree um, people kicking other people in a work environment is highly inappropriate, no matter what the environment is in. Uh, Unless it's MMA. Exactly, or soccer, or something like that, where it's two uh, two soccer players. But a coach and a player, no. I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> People don't do that at your work, Ben. <laughs> they don't, man. I, you know, I, I don't even think I, I, I've never, never even heard about it. I'm so far off my radar until this whole thing came up this week. They said uh, when when the play I forget the guy's name the kicker's name but he said when Urban when Urban kicked him he's he's like why and he's like because <laughs> I'm the head ball coach. <laughs> I, 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 I read I read that uh, as well. The kicker is Josh Lambeau, by the way. He's been around the NFL quite a long time. Um, you know, it, I would say this, Daryl, and I, I've been a big you know Urban Meyer supporter over the years, but I think. Um, this position for him, he's kind of exposed maybe some, some character flaws for him. Uh, that maybe people, you know, there have been some red flags previously, but 
I do think he kind of lost his job based on based on some of these things. And when you really break it down, um, to be successful in the NFL, I believe, and to be successful not only, I guess, in the NFL, but just in a lot of uh, endeavors and jobs and life, uh, you have to have uh, behavioral and emotional regulation. Uh, you know, you got to be able to control yourself when things don't go your way. You got to kind of act a certain way. You know, we see um, a lot of guys. You know, Bill Belichick, for instance, always under control. Um, you know, great football coach. Um, for the most part, Pete Carroll is that way. Another great football coach. Um, John Harbaugh. You know, I mean, Mike Tomlin. You know, the list goes on and on. Yeah, I might yell some, but you know, none of these guys are getting accused of kicking players. Um, they are, you know, going home on the team, playing with the team. They don't, they don't like losing, but they're not taking it as hard as Urban Meyer is. And I just think the, um, I think he wasn't used to losing so many games, and I don't think he did well with handling the frustration of that. And I think that that boiled over maybe into some of these things that we've heard rumors about. Yeah, I think Urban, and I talked a little bit about this when I played the shop, I think sometimes, Ben, in society, we think just because certain jobs, because they're similar, that they're the exact same. Like, there's media, it's the same in media for local media and national media, but they're very different. How you source, how you talk to people, how you deal with people is different. Political media versus sports media. They're both media, but they're very different. Uh... So I, I think college football versus the NFL, and I was thinking about this, right, Ben? Like, in the NFL, players follow you because they choose to. In college, players follow you because they have to. I think that's a very big difference. You just can't do whatever you want. I even think as much as Bill Belichick does whatever he want, wants, I think Bill Belichick is better relationally than people actually give him credit for. I think he's cold-hearted, he's cold-blooded, he's very, a matter of fact, but I think he's better relationally than people may think. Urban, you, you, you can't lie to your players like he did on the plane and say you're not going back and then get caught grinding on random women. You, you can't lie to your team like that. You can't have issues where you hire a strength and conditioning coach or whatever it was in the beginning of the year with a racist past, you can't bring in Tim Tebow with all that fanfare. You can't have a kicker reportedly say that you kicked him. You can't have all these these little issues come up and think that guys are going to follow you. Well, and I think so much of it, um, you know, and a real common theme here, um, it, every, every, everything kind of percolates around respect, Daryl, I mean, at the end of the day, right? Um you, you as a head coach, and I'd hope this would be, you know, on any level, you're trying to work to earn the respect of your players uh, and vice versa. You know, there's a relationship there where that goes both ways. Um, and, you know, when when you do things like stand by your team, even when it's a hard night and you lost the game and go home on the plane with the team, that's like something that builds respect points with your players. Um, when you're bringing in maybe coaching staff that have had some NFL experience, 
to kind of help guide you along because you know that you're new and you acknowledge that you don't know everything about the pros, that helps build your credibility with your players. Now, I think there's a lot of things um, out there, you know, and, and I think for most people, right, I mean, this this whole building respect and getting respect and return thing, it, it should start, you know, long before you ever become an adult, right? I mean, um, you know, when you're going through school and stuff like that, you do the assignments, you show up, you try hard for your teachers, um, you know, you're out on a sports field somewhere and you show up to practice and you work hard and you gain the respect of the people on your team. Um, you just, in general, to do things right, to be a good friend, because that's what you'd want in return from, from the people you're friends with, you know what I mean? Uh, and, and somewhere along the way, it's like he kind of missed the boat on some of this stuff. As much as I like the guy, it seems like he missed the boat um, on, on really grasping this concept, and it's really come back to, um, to, to bite him uh, in a very bad way here. Because even if we look at a lot of this stuff as pure speculation, if the guy was truly respected among the players, this stuff wouldn't be getting talked about. That's true. You wouldn't hear wide receivers walking out of the facility. Like, yeah. At some point, where there's smoke, there's fire. And I think that in Urban Meyer's case, the NFL is, you know, uh, not excited about outsiders coming in to the NFL. And I think a lot of people wanted it to fail right away. Rather than kind of embracing that underdog role, though, and saying, well, I'm going to do everything right, and I'm going to show these guys that I that I belong here, I think the ego got the better of him, and he puffed out his chest, and he said, well, I should already have the respect, look what I did in college, and I'm going to do things my way, and, you know, good luck everybody else. And I think that's the wrong attitude to have, because at the end of the day, those players don't care what he did in college. I understand what he did in college. It was great, but they don't care. Like, they're trying to feed and to take care of their families. A lot of those guys never even played Ohio State. They, they don't care what Urban Meyer did in college. Like, they did, like, what can you do for me right now? Right. I mean, everybody knows, too. I think he kind of lost track of the mission as well. You know, he, I think he... He just with his personality, and I've already told you about this, I think he can tend to wear some people out sometimes. Um, and, and when it comes to the winning and losing thing, I think he takes losing really, really hard. He wants to win all the games. And that's just not the reality of the NFL. I and he's never been used to losing like this either. Exactly. And we've seen some really good coaches. You know, I think you and I would agree that your guy, Sean McDermott, is a pretty good coach. And he's like a game above 500 right now. So you're going to have these ups and downs in the NFL, even if you're a good coach. Uh, his job this year, I think, was to build a foundation, establish a culture, and uh, get Trevor Lawrence going in the right direction. And he wasn't really able to do any of those things, in my opinion. And also, I, I do want to say this. You know, you have to have advocates, and you know this, you have to have advocates in the room for you. Was Trevor Lawrence an advocate for Urban Meyer in the room? When I think he tried to be, but I think Urban Meyer made it really hard for him. Was Was any of these players saying, don't fire Urban? Because if Trevor comes up and says, hey guys, give him another year. I think they probably give him another year. I don't know how many guys he alienated in that locker room, but it was enough to where there wasn't enough people advocating for him to stay. 
and you know, part of the, you know, in the NFL, before it even gets to the X's and O's, you have to have players respect you. Arabic can be as smart football-wise as he wants to be, but if they don't respect you and you have all these other issues, it doesn't matter. Exactly, and that's why I say, you know, everything circulates around respect, man. And that's it. And and, and I think that's the way it is in, 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 in a huge part of, part of life. I mean, I, I think it goes way beyond just football, and he's missed the boat. Uh, but that's, that's not to say, Daryl, that Urban Meyer, you know, is not going to get another coaching job. Oh, okay, so this is interesting, Ben. Let's go to this. Where is he going to coach? Is he going back to college, or is he going to get an NFL job? Well, I, I, I think he's done in the NFL. I don't think he's going to another uh, NFL team or another NFL position. I, I do believe uh, he will either go back to college or go back into the media at some point. He was, in my opinion, kind of wildly successful at doing both of those things. Uh, so I think he's going to be given another chance. I think it might... He might sit out for about a year, um, but I do think he'll be back eventually. Maybe I'm wrong about that. We know, um, you know, just in previous conversation, he also seems to have a, a vested interest in the restaurant business. You know, maybe he's going to do that for a while instead. Um, but he's got a lot of choices. Uh, so, you know, just because he kind of took a swing and and uh, this was really uh, not a, a very successful venture for him doesn't mean he's not going to, uh, have success down the road. Although I will say I hope he uh, learned a very hard lesson from this year because he really made some pretty critical mistakes. Could you see him going back to Florida? Let's see Bill Napier doesn't succeed. Yeah, I, I actually could. I think that that's a realistic possibility. I mean, I'm also thinking too, Florida State, right? Probably not as likely. I mean, but I, the bottom line is, for Urban Meyer, we know Urban can coach college football. The guys won championships before. And we also know, Daryl, there are a number of teams that are going to eventually get desperate. And that's when Urban Meyer is going to get hired somewhere. So next, Ben, I want to go to this. So you released a set of rankings. Oh, actually, before we get to the rankings... Thoughts on him calling coach, the coaching staff losers? Well, I think it was uh, like a motivational tactic. Um, you know, sometimes, sometimes when like a coach talks down to a player or something like that and they're trying to motivate him, I think that was, um, I think that was what he was trying to do there. And maybe it's worked for him in, at the college level. Um, or maybe it was like a new technique was trying because he's not used to losing so many games. Um, it, my thought on it, though, is obviously it's not a very successful technique and it just further alienated him from everybody else around him. Would that um, work with you if your boss came to you and said, you know, you guys are just a bunch of losers? I don't think it would be a very effective technique. For <laughs> <laughs> Irvin should have asked Ben before he did that. That's the moral of that story. Okay, so on Monday, I think you gave your Hall of Very Good. Uh, so I just want to read your Hall of Very Good just so everybody knows this. So number one, you had Matt Ryan. Number two, you had Kirk Cousins. Number three, you had Odell Beckham. Number four, you had Cam Newton. Number five, you had Micah Hyde. Number six, you had Carlos Dunlap. Number seven, you had Mark Ingram. Number eight, you had Derek Carr. Number nine, you had Dante Hightower. And at number ten, you had uh, Antonio uh, Bertha. 
In terms of the list, who were the hardest guys? Was there anybody that you omitted that you thought about putting on this list? Yes, I would say for sure right now Kyle Rudolph would, would get an honorable mention. I kind of wanted to spread this out among some of the different position players, so I just have, you know, 10 quarterbacks on the list or 10 wide receivers. Uh, so did a little bit of digging. I would put Jordan Poyer on this list as well for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, that, that would be 100% reasonable, I think. Yeah, he's somebody that I would definitely have on there as well. What about a guy like a uh, D, uh, Jarvis Landry? I want to give him a little bit more time, but I think he may end up being on this list eventually. Saquon Barkley? Uh, too early to tell. Christian McCaffrey? I'd like to see more from him, too. I'd like to see him with a stable quarterback around him. How about Adam Thielen? Yeah, yeah, I think Thielen would be a good addition to the list. So you'd be comfortable with Adam Thielen being on? Oh, I'd be 100% comfortable with that. Matthew Stafford? Uh, not yet. I mean, I'm not even sure he deserves to be in the Hall of Very good. Oh, yet. Ben, Ben, Ben. Ben, Matt, well, Matthew Stafford's, I, I don't want to go on a whole Matthew Stafford thing because, you know, I have, uh, Matthew Stafford's better than Derek Carr and he's better than Kirk Cousins. And quite frankly, he's better than Matt Ryan. He's the best QB on this list. Maybe I'll give you Matt Ryan. Matthew, Matthew Stafford's not on the list. I, I know, but I'm saying he'd be the best QB on this list. I mean, he's got to show me something, Daryl. You know, I mean, the Hall of Very Good is still probably you know, significantly better than your average NFL player. Oh, what's Kirk Cousins done? What? Well, I mean, he's won playoff games. Oh, my God, Ben. Kirk Cousins is nowhere near the player that Matthew Stafford is. What's Derek Carr done? What's Derek, Derek Carr done? I mean, well, I, I would have to take this year into account for Derek Carr. I mean, uh, just keeping the team intact, I mean, with, with the whole coaching scandal and then the Henry Ruggs, um, tragic event that happened. Um, you know, he's managed to keep the team together. I mean, that, that alone speaks volumes. I think he's won a playoff game before as well. Although I could be mistaken about that. I don't think he's won a playoff game. I think there was the one year where they made it where he got hurt with uh, Jack Del Rio. I think that's actually the only year he's made the playoffs. Okay. Well, that could that could be. I don't know. I, I would for sure want to see Matthew Stafford win a playoff game before he gets on this list, which he might do this year, Daryl. What about if he wins an MVP? Yeah, I mean, I'd consider putting him on if he, if he won an MVP, but I think in order for him to win an MVP, he'd probably have to, you know, also just by default win a playoff game. How about Andy Dalton? Um, I, I'm not even sure he belongs in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, You're not sure? Yeah, I'm not sure he belongs in the very good. Josh McDaniels. As um, an offensive coordinator. No, I mean, I think as an offensive coordinator here, well, he's in the Hall of Fame. I don't think he's on this list. Really? Really? I, I, I think he's elevated himself up past this list. 
Would you have considered him on this list before? Well, yeah. I, mean, I would have considered him on the list quite a while back. I mean, as an offensive coordinator, he's done an outstanding job. That's very fair. How about a Dak Prescott? Um, it's a little too early to tell. Uh, for me, I think I'd be more inclined to call him a Hall of Famer as opposed to in this Hall, Daryl. How about Amari Cooper? Uh, I'm not even sure Amari would make the Hall of very good. Really? So you're out on Amari. I am. I'm not completely out. I, I think, you know, he, he puts together a couple more good seasons. He gets into the Hall of very good. How about Devontae Freeman? You sound like you thought about that for a second, though. Yeah, I did think about him when I made the list. So, you know, I guess his, um, his peak years, there weren't very many of them. Mike, like two or three. Michael Brockers? I would have to look at him more to know. Um, I would say that he would probably be on the list based on what I know of him. That's reasonable. That's reasonable. Okay. <clears throat> if you were to uh, omit a guy from this list, who would it be? I would I would probably omit Odell Beckham Jr., I think. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if I had to take one of those guys off, I, I would say, in all fairness, you know, he, he is probably a top-end Hall of Very Good player right now. I, I think that if he can get himself into the right situation, we might be looking at a Hall of Famer. Um, but, you know, we, we need to start seeing some um, seasons with some statistics uh, that we haven't seen from him in a while. We need to start seeing him win playoff games. be nice to see him compete in a Super Bowl. Um yeah, we, we know he's a generational athletic talent, but he's basically uh, been a non-factor in the playoffs. And, and quite frankly, right now, he's not even a real big factor in the regular season. That's fair. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break, and then kind of next to the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to get into our NFL predictions. Kind of next to the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. With Barbershop Sports Talk, we still have Ben Karen with us, host of the Sports Weather Podcast, and now it's time for our Week 15 NFL predictions. So, 8.15 p.m. Eastern Time, Saturday football is back for the NFL. New England Patriots at the Indianapolis Colts. Ben, is this a game for the fans? Uh, I'm going to say yes, but I'm going to say no. 
I don't think so, man. I think that New England is going to find a way to win this. I do think it's going to be slightly closer than people think. I think Indianapolis is going to be able to play physical. Um, but I think Carson Wentz maybe finds a way to give away this game. I, I, I like a um, Bill Belichick coaching scheme against Carson Wentz. I think that's the deciding factor here. Uh, and I will pick the Patriots to win this one. I'll say 25 to I'm going to go with the Patriots 24-21. to 21. This is going to be a very close competitive football game. Both teams would like to run the ball and get dirty, but I think Carson Wentz and the Colts are going to make a few mistakes that Mac Jones and the Patriots will not. Next, we have the Dallas Cowboys at the New York Giants. Ben, who you got? I'm going to go with Dallas here. They looked pretty impressive last weekend, although they almost gave the game up. Uh, I think Dallas is in a position here where they have a lot more talent, so I'll go Cowboys 34, Giants 14. I'm going to go with the Cowboys 28 to the Giants 10. Uh, Dallas just a better team in all three phases of the game. Shouldn't be too competitive. Next, we have the Houston Texans at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Who you got, Ben? I'm going to go with the Jaguars, 14-10. to 10. I'm going to say they find a way. They get a spark since Urban's gone, uh, but two very, very bad football teams. Next, we have the Tennessee Titans at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ben, who you got? I'm going with Tennessee here. I think Tennessee is going to be more physical. They're going to run the football a little bit better. They're going to uh, just play probably in all three phases of the game a little bit better than the Steelers and they'll pull away at the end. I say Tennessee 35, Pittsburgh 28. I'm going to go Pittsburgh 19 to Tennessee 17. I think this is going to be a tough physical football game, but I think Pittsburgh's going to find a way to get it done at the end. Tennessee, they still don't have that superior running game with Derrick Henry. Tannehill's been a little bit hit or miss lately, so I'm going to go with the Steelers. Next, we have the New York Jets at the Miami Dolphins, who have quietly won like six games in a row. Yeah, I'll go with Miami in this one. I, I like what they're doing defensively. I like Brian Flores against um, a rookie quarterback. I'm going Dolphins here, 27, New York Jets, 20 in a competitive game. I'm going to go Dolphins 17 to the Jets 3. Going to be a long day for Zach Wilson and Robert Sala. Next, we have the Arizona Cardinals at the Detroit Lions. And, Daryl, I think this is just going to be a weird game. I think the Lions are going to win this one. No rhyme or reason for it. I, I just I get this feeling. It's going to be the weird game of the week. So I'll say the Lions find a way to win this 30-28 over the Cardinals. And I will say to your point, I mean, in terms of the time difference, you're going to have a West Coast team traveling to the East Coast, so maybe their clocks could start a little late. But I'm still going to go with the Cardinals. I'm going to say they win 30 to Detroit's 14. Next, we have the Carolina Panthers at the Buffalo Bills. Ben, tell me what I want to hear. Yeah, Daryl, Buffalo is going 
game. They need to win it. They're going to come out with a sense of urgency. Uh, they are going to find a way, I think, to run the football. Josh Allen's going to find a way to get it done against Carolina. I think Buffalo um, wins actually pretty easily. I'll say Buffalo's going to put up 42 points, and I say Carolina's going to going to have 30 when it's all said and done and the dust settles. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Bills, but I think this could be much closer. Uh, the Panthers have a good front seven. Our offensive line is awful. I think we're going to win 24-17, though. Next, we have the Cincinnati Bengals at the Denver Broncos. Ben, who you got? I'm going with Cincinnati here, Daryl. I think it's going to be closer than people think. I think it might be one of the best games of the week. Uh, but I will say, in the end, Cincinnati wins on a late field goal, 30-27. to They beat Denver. I'm going to go with Cincinnati 28 to Denver's 21. Joe Burrow, last second drive to win the game. Next, we have the Atlanta Falcons at the San Francisco 49ers. I will go with. I'm going to go with the 49ers at home, I think. This is a tricky game, though. I think it's going to be very close. I'll go uh, 49ers 27, Atlanta 24. I'm going to go with. The 49ers 20 to Atlanta's 14. Uh, the 49ers defense is starting to come around. Jimmy Garoppolo is starting to play well. I think they're going to do ball control and play good defense against the Falcons. Next, we have the Green Bay Packers at the Baltimore Ravens. I think the Ravens are going to pull off the impossible. I think they're going to beat Green Bay. I think Tyler Huntley is going to play. He's got the world to shock. He's at home. I think Huntley and the Ravens win this one 33 30 over Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. I'm going to go with the Packers. 34 to the Ravens. 24. Next, we have the New Orleans Saints at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Another weird game here, Daryl, but I'm going with the Saints in this one. Saints have Tom Brady's number. Um, the defense is for real. I think New Orleans will find a way here. Uh, we'll say 27-26, Saints. I'm going to go with the Saints, 24 to the Buccaneers, 22. I think they're going to find a way. Get Brady off his of spots, rattle him a little bit. Uh, they're going to find a way just to gut out on one here. Next we have the Las Vegas Raiders at the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland's going to win this time around. They lost this game to the Raiders last year. I think it's going to be real tricky, but I think Cleveland just runs the football. I'm going to go with the Browns 20 to the Raiders 19. It's going to be a tough... 17-16, I think, will be my score. Yeah, no, I think this is going to be a very close game in the margins, but I think Cleveland's going to find a way to eke it out at the end. And next we have the Minnesota Vikings at the Chicago Bears, 8-15, PM Eastern, ESPN, Monday Night Football. Ben, who you got? I'm going to go with Minnesota here, Daryl. I like them slightly more than the Bears. I'll go Minnesota 35, Chicago 28. I'm going to go with the Minnesota Vikings, and I'm going to say they win 31-2. to the Bears, 23. Uh, Justin Jefferson, I think, is going to have a pretty good game here. And I think the Bears, they're still trying to find themselves on offense a little bit. 
And that's all we have for our Week 15 NFL predictions. Now, cut them next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Me and Ben are going to talk some college football. Cut them next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Despite the fact that he led his high school to four straight state championship game appearances, very few high major recruiters looked at the six foot tall, 180 pounder and said, quarterback. Throw it on a dime, like I ain't even trying. Just a kid from Briarwoods, I'm wearing number nine. Met Coach Franklin down at Vandy, flipped to Happy Valley. Now I'm coming back and got the with Barbershop Sports Talk, we have Ben Karen with us, host of Sports Weather Podcast, and we actually have Tuesday night football, so we actually have two more games. So, Seattle at LA Rams. I'm, I'm going to go with Seattle here, Daryl. I'm going to be a contrarian a lot this week. Seattle's been on a roll now. I think they're finding their groove, whereas the Rams are slumping a little bit. I'll go Seattle here. Uh, 24 to the Rams, 23. I'm going to go Rams, 28 to Seattle's, 14. I think the Rams should win this fairly handily. Uh, Next, we have Washington at Philadelphia. I'm going to go with Washington in this one. I think Ron Rivera figures out a way to get after Jalen Hurts on defense. And I'll say Washington's going to win 28 to the Eagles, 17. I'm going to go with uh, the Eagles. I'm going to say they win 24 to 23 for the Washington football team. I don't think Taylor Heineke is going to play as well, so that should help Washington. (coughs) Now, let's get to some college football. So, Texas A&M's recruiting class passes, passes Alabama for the top recruiting class in the country. How do you feel about that, Ben? Well, I'm feeling great about it right now, Daryl. I mean, it is it is a tremendous recruiting class. Uh, and we have already gotten a lot of depth um, on the team at some of those key positions, uh, including the quarterback position, um, which we've now gotten Matt Johnson, who's in there. We got um, the incoming freshman, Connor, um, and I would probably have a massive fail on saying his last name correctly, but he's uh, among the, uh, the best quarterback recruits in the um, in the nation, so I'm feeling really good. I'm, I'm seeing uh, Jimbo Fisher having a lot of success here. So now I want to get to this. So one of the big stories of uh, the weekend in terms of recruiting this week was Deion Sanders gets the number one recruit in the country to go to an HBCU. How shocked were you to hear that, Ben? That's <laughs> pretty shocking, Daryl. I mean, most times when we're talking about the number one recruit in the country, they're usually on their way to Georgia or Alabama. Uh, so hearing that they're on their way to Jackson State was pretty shocking to me. Do you think that Deion Sanders is actually going to stay at Jackson State? I think it depends on how much success he has there. Well, if he's going to get number one recruits, then, you know. I think he may eventually try to move up, but I think, you know, some of that's the new, um, people are going to be looking at him, Daryl. Can he take a guy like this recruit and actually get him to a place where he's reached his full potential as a college football player? So I think there's a lot of eyes on Deion Sanders. 
Well, I, I think this goes back to the Luke Fickle situation. How content are you where you are? I mean, obviously, there's better jobs. So, in terms of quarterbacks in the transfer portal, uh, Zach Calzada is in the portal. How do you feel about that, Ben? Well, I don't understand why he's in the portal, I guess. Well, they disrespected him, Ben. That's why. Well, how do you feel that they disrespected him exactly? First of all, they did not give him the starting job to begin the year. He beat Alabama... And him had a very good, had a pretty good season, and I would assume they want him to compete for the job again, and he doesn't want to do it. Yeah. Well, I don't think he's in a position where he should be um, not competing for the starting job. I mean, we've seen him have some meltdowns this season for sure. Uh, yes, he beat Alabama, and we'll give him the props there. Um, but we did see uh, him play very poorly at Old Miss. Um, two, two late interceptions to uh, give away any chance of winning that game. And I think that that kind of uh, has put him in the position that he's in. Um, if I was him, I would have I stayed and I would have tried to compete for the job, I think. So I was kind of surprised to see him go, to be honest with you. Where do you think he will go? It's hard to say. I think he may... Um, I'm, I'm wondering if he'll end up in maybe like a Florida State, a Clemson. I'm, I'm getting the feeling like he'll, he may end up in the ACC somewhere. So, Caden Slovis out of USC, he's transferring too. What do you make of that? I was really surprised by that too, if I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, especially with a coach like Lincoln Riley coming in, you think a quarterback would be excited to be there. Because uh, Lincoln Riley is certainly somebody that I think we can agree has a history of elevating quarterbacks' play. So uh, the way I'm interpreting it is he doesn't um, he doesn't think he's going to be able to get the starting job, and he thinks that Lincoln is going to be able to recruit a better quarterback. So that's how I'm interpreting it. He's going elsewhere so he can continue to play as a starter, hopefully. Do you have any places where you could see him ending up? I think he'll probably stay somewhere out west, the Mountain West or the Pac-12. So next we have Auburn's Bo Nix. This was shocking. He's a legacy player. Were you surprised to hear that he's in the transfer portal? I, I was. I was because there's family ties to Auburn. Do, where do you think he would go? Now, can I throw this one at you? Why not uh, UCF, where Gus Malzahn is? That's still in the South. Is that I not? Wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past him. I think that I think there's a possibility there, um, but I, something tells me I think he wants to stay in the SEC. Is it possible he would go to a Georgia? Probably not. I don't think he's going to start at Georgia. I mean, Stetson Bennett's not that good. And JT Daniels, he's better than JT Daniels and Stetson Bennett. Yeah, 
He might be. I mean, I, who knows who they're, who they're bringing in, though. I mean, Georgia, Georgia's in the playoffs right now, Daryl. They could be starting a true freshman next year. Spencer Rattler to South Carolina. What do you make of that? Man, I, I don't think it's good for South Carolina because I think he's massively overrated. Really? Absolutely. <laughs> He's done nothing, nothing to show me otherwise. I mean, everyone was hyping this guy up, and it's clear he's not capable of playing at the level they all thought he was. So I don't think he's going to have all of a sudden have tremendous success playing under Will Muschamp. I mean, <laughs> make any sense to me? I mean, he was one of the best QBs in the nation last year, for what it's worth. Yeah, I'm, I'm just not buying him, Daryl. I don't think he's that good. Max Johnson out of Indiana's transferring. What do you think of that? Can you say that again? Max Johnson out of Indiana's transferring. Isn't he out of LSU? No, oh, yes, you are right. Out of LSU, correct. Michael Pence Jr. out of Indiana's transferring, excuse me. Well, let's start with Max Johnson. How do you feel about that? So, man, Max Johnson, I mean, I feel okay about it. Um, to me, I think we're, we're seeing uh, logical logical stuff happening here. Um, you know, Connor uh, is probably going to come in next year. I'm assuming they're going to try to redshirt him. Uh, and then we'll have um, a competition probably between um, Heinz King and, and Max Johnson for the starting job. Um, be, be able to build some depth. Um, I, I also think um, his brother, uh, Jake Johnson, one of the best tight ends in the country. I think he wanted to play at A&M. And um, I think that that was just, um, you know, kind of the connection on uh, why Max uh, also decided to come to Texas A&M. I think they kind of came as a package deal. So, okay, now we're getting to Indiana. Michael Pence Jr. from Indiana. I mean, I think he's got options. Um, possibly Virginia, possibly Virginia Tech. Couple, couple choices for him. Uh, My bet is he ends up at one of those schools. Ohio State has two quarterbacks transferring. Uh, they have Quinn Ewers, who's now going to Texas, and they also have Jake Miller. Why do you think there's one, so many Ohio State QBs transferring, and two, how do you think these guys will do? the first part of your question, Ohio State is um, uh, basically a hotbed for for talent in college football. And I think what happens is you bring in uh, three or four different quarterbacks, and, and they're all used to being kind of the alpha. And only one of those guys can actually win the starting role, Daryl. Um, you know, we saw a few years ago when they won a national championship how deep they were at the quarterback position. Um, so... I think some of these guys get tired of not having the opportunity to start, and they're like, well, I could be starting if I was on a different team, different Power 5 team. So, 
you know, that that's why we see some of these guys leaving Ohio State, but I think they will have success. Um, you know, I think it's not going to be that much different maybe than when we um, actually saw um, Justin Fields, who transferred into Ohio State from a, a place where he wasn't getting a starting opportunity over in Georgia. So, um, I, I, I think the sky's the limit for those guys because I think they're very talented. Adrian Martinez is transferring out of Nebraska. How do you feel about that? I believe he's been there for quite some time, so I, that was surprising to me. Um, I'm not sure where he'll end up or if he'll be a starter. How about UCF's Dylan Gabriel? He's transferred. I'm not, uh, not too plugged into that situation, but I'm wondering, could he maybe be a fit in Cincinnati? <laughs> and Jake Plummer out of Purdue. Um, another guy that I think might be a fit in Cincinnati, Daryl. Oh, with, Desmond, with Desmond leaving, they're going to have an open QB competition. Exactly, and I think it's going to attract a couple people, especially with that um, with, with that kind of solid guarantee that it looks like Luke Fickle is going to be sticking around. I think there's some guys that are going to want to play for him. So Michigan State's Kenneth Walker is going to skip the Peach Bowl to prepare for the NFL draft. Do you like, love, or hate it? sense to me. He's got money on the table. He wants to secure his future, and they're not playing for a playoff, uh, you know, playoff win. So, why not? And Pittsburgh, Kenny Pickett is going to do the same thing. He's not going to play in the Peach Bowl as well. Do you like, love, or hate it? Um, I'm a little bit uh, cooler on this one. I'd say hate it. Um, when you're the quarterback, I think you have more responsibility. You're, you're considered the leader for your team, so... I'm not a fan. And that would be one of Kenny Pickett's biggest traits. He's not a super athletic guy or anything, so leadership is one of the things that he would be bringing to the table, which makes this a little bit more curious. Yeah, exactly. So, Ben, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. Hey, anytime, Daryl. Thanks for having me. And once again, I want to thank Ben Karen for coming on the podcast. I always appreciate it when Ben can come on and I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode the 367th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk Dang girl look at you stopping me in my boots what's a country boy to do but say uh uh my my chest up Shaking the giddy up, got my eyes going water.